Hi, everyone, and welcome to Every Child Can Learn, and I'm excited to welcome the program, the host, Phil Maycomer. Phil, how are you? Oh, I'm doing so well, Neil. You know, it's so exciting to have multiple episodes now archived for Every Child Can Learn, and I'm so looking forward to this episode. And I'm excited to have a very special guest on in this episode. Absolutely. But we always start out with the question to be asked, right? What you, you, and then you answer it every month, Phil. And so the question is, what is the role of a speech language pathologist? And how can this professional be your classroom solution for teaching any topic for any teacher? Very great question. Because again, I remember as a former teacher, how important to utilize the other resources that are available in my classroom, even if it's uh, a, whenever they come in once, twice a week to really incorporate that in my lessons. And Neil, I love how you said that it's incorporate is a key word, right? Because classroom teachers do not have to do it alone. And it's so nice to be building bridges with your support team. And you know that because you've walked the walk, like you said. And, you know, a speech language pathologist is one of those key people. And they are critical team members for any teacher at any grade level to partner with because curriculum is language. And we have so many different subject areas of curriculum that teachers need to balance. And we know that your speech language pathologist can be a resource for pre-teaching a variety of content in multiple subject areas, as I mentioned, at any grade level. So building a solid understanding of curriculum material can be the central focus of making each child succeed in the classroom through this educational partnership, because that's what you just mentioned, Neil. It's partnering with the specialists that are in your building to help support all children, not just those receiving specialized instruction, right, Neil? Absolutely, it's for sure, because you, it's, you have to make sure that the lesson is able to show everything that's involved in, in hitting your learning objectives. Just because a student is not identified does not mean we do not try to reach all the students. That's right. And you and I have talked about this previously, but our listeners may not uh, remember or know this about me, but I am a retired speech language pathologist. So I did for many, many years partner with classroom teachers, partner with guidance counselors, partner with administrators in their school-wide initiatives, and also partner with the special educators and Title I staff or reading specialists in buildings so that I just didn't have my kids or my caseload. Every child in that building was a Phil kid. And that's what I love about what we're going to discuss today. And I'd like to introduce my very special colleague, Devin Philibert. And we are going to discuss how a language specialist can be your go-to solution for helping teach grade-based curriculum and even more than that. So let me tell you a little bit about Devin uh, before we get started and have her hop in. Devin Philibert serves as an elementary school speech language pathologist, partnering with educators, 
every day to help them build stronger language skills for students with varying abilities and those with disabilities or learning differences. In working with Devin firsthand on a monthly basis, I have come to know that Devin firmly believes that vocabulary instruction is a critical step in setting children up for success in the classroom, both academically and socially. Her collaborative philosophy, and I repeat collaborative philosophy across all areas of language centers around actively engaging students in the learning process. So I'd like to welcome you, Devin, to this episode of Every Child Can Learn. Thank you for having me, Phil. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so excited for you to share not just your ideas, but truly your wisdom in how to create these valuable partnerships in any school building. And I know that you at the current time are in an elementary school. Yes, I am in kindergarten through fifth grade at um, a little elementary school. And I've been working on this PAC program with you for the last year. And I have noticed a significant difference um, with my students, especially in terms of working on vocabulary with them. Well, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you have been introduced to the PAC teaching framework that I've authored, methodically going through the four modules of the PACT, learn about, read about, write about, and talk about. And of course, you've done that based on your lens of contribution, based on your role in your school building. But you also have brought it outside of your therapy setting. And that's why I'm very excited to have you talk with our listeners today and to be involved in this conversation with me. And then also Neil to jump in. And I think I'd like to start by asking you, where do you start as a way, one, to create a collaborative relationship with a classroom teacher, and then two, for you to attack curriculum in an attempt to support curriculum for your students? So my biggest philosophy is curriculum is language, especially for those students with receptive or expressive language deficits. Um, I mean, any type of academic work they're using, they're going to have to have a language, a basic language understanding to be able to talk about it. So teaching vocabulary is where I start, whether that's teaching vocabulary from science, social social studies, language arts, I mean, even math. And, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned math, Devin, because when people think of language specialists supporting curriculum in the classroom, they go to content areas like science and social studies, because you can wrap your head around that, right, Neil? Like, that's easy to think about. Definitely, because looking at subjects like that, it's just very, very easy to create different types of uh, modules and stuff from that. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, if a teacher is doing something on the solar system, that's very easy for a speech language pathologist. Yeah. To say, oh, I'll teach the planets and support that in some activities that I provide in speech and language, but math, boy, that's math's much more challenging. It is. It is. And Devin, why do you think math is a little more challenging? 
You know, it's very abstract. There's nothing concrete. Well, to a degree, there's not a lot of concrete information that you can really compare it to. So what you need to do is develop an understanding and find some vocabulary that's the most important. So you start with concrete information and then you move towards that more abstract information that the kids and vocabulary, I say information, vocabulary that the kids need to learn. Salient concrete vocab is the easiest and picking that up. Those easy vocabulary words are going to help the student be able to understand. And then you build on and you start to teach maybe a couple of those abstract concepts. And you know, Jevin, I know that that is the way that you would approach vocabulary selection, so to speak, mm-hmm. to help support the students that you support. But this is also a wonderful model for a classroom teacher to be able to introduce, because basically you're really training the classroom teacher of how to really scaffold introducing vocabulary in the classroom, right? Yes. as Children shouldn't necessarily, children, especially the ones that I'm working with, shouldn't necessarily be expected to learn the general vocabulary of, let's say, 15 different words in language arts or in social studies. But what are they going to need to know in the long run? Do they need to know that kind of small minutiae or do they need to know the general information? So, for example, do they need to know what a fairy tale is? Probably should. Or do they need to know the smaller definitions that won't necessarily help them contribute to classroom participation and to be able to classroom discussions and to be able to participate in the classroom. But if they have that general global knowledge, that will help these students be able to be in a part of the class and a part of those discussions. Right, sure. Yeah, and you know, Neil, I'm glad that you agree with that because you know, so many times you know, the, I call it the long list. You have the long list of 20 to 25 vocabulary words. And a common question that I always used to ask a teacher is, at least related to what you were talking about, Devin, what are really the most important vocabulary words that our students should be focusing on that might not be able to do the 20 to 25 long list? But we, of course, need to be able to teach them the vocabulary on the topic that's in the lesson. And the common answer to that question is, well, all of it is important, Phil. Well, no, not all of it can be important. We cannot accomplish and do a hundred things well in a given hour. We need to be able to focus on the most vital, right? And the strategy that you're talking about, concrete to abstract, is really a nice way to scaffold it. One way that I have shared, um, and I think Devin, you and I have talked about this, is doing like a staircase of uh, ranking vocabulary. So, you know, the concrete, then the less concrete group, and then the most abstract. And I'd like to get back to math just here for a minute, if that's okay, Devin. Yeah. We know that math is unique to having what I would call mastery. Like for example, in science and social studies, you may need to master certain things on a given topic, but if you don't do terrific in the solar system unit, you have a chance to start over and do very well in the Owls of North America unit because the Owls of North America are not dependent on your science 
solar system knowledge. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Yes. But math is different, especially related to math vocabulary, because in math, it is building a certain number of skills that are then dependent on the future ones that you are going to move across that math continuum. So teaching vocabulary, like you said, and supporting our classroom teachers in how to teach that vocabulary in many different hands-on UDL ways is so valuable for uh, any classroom teacher at any grade level, right? Absolutely. And I think what's even more important too is, I mean, not just teaching the vocabulary, but teaching the antonyms and synonyms that go along with it. I mean, you think of the word addition, how many different ways are there to talk about that? Adding, um, putting more in, you know, combining, combining, giving those kids that chance to be able to understand that those additional um, synonyms for a certain word so that they know one thing actually can mean many different things. Right. And also math is symbolic, right? Because when you mentioned addition, what I saw in my mind was a plus sign. When if you were to say subtraction, it's a dash or a minus sign, right, Neil? Yes. You know, so you have the added non-concrete abstract symbol on top of that. Exactly. I mean, what is a line, a horizontal line? So kids now need to see this horizontal line and be able to combine that and link that with an actual vocabulary word, a definition to it. So that's... Um, that's what's so important about teaching kids this information is that they need to be able to see a symbol and be able to comprehend what that symbol is. Right. So we mentioned age levels. What age levels do you think that a speech language pathologist can partner with an educator, whether it's in special ed or gen ed? Oh my goodness, all the way through school. I mean, preschool to graduation, start to the end. Um, I I mean, you can teach preschoolers essentially early concepts, early book concepts. Um, Same thing through middle school or elementary school and middle school and all the way up to high school. They need to be able to come to class to talk about this language. I mean, you consider what kids are learning in kindergarten or preschool even, they need to know to put the blocks on. So then you've got your antonyms and synonyms on, off, up, down, um, all of those opposite words. So early to the end. I'm glad to hear you say that because I wholeheartedly agree with that, that we know that early intervention is key to success for students as they approach their elementary school years. And it is so critical to begin this collaboration in a partnering model as early as preschool. And like, for example, you mentioned, you know, language arts. In preschool, language arts could involve a theme of apples in the fall. And every week they may be reading a book about apples on that theme. As a speech language pathologist, that professional, myself included, have gone into preschools and taught the vocabulary that are in those books so that by the time the students would then listen to those books and read those books, they can find the vocabulary on the pages. They have a better understanding of 
uh, the content of the book, which means what? They have a better way to then express their knowledge, right? We're building information that counts, as I call it. And, you know, you and I have talked about, Devin, about how the same kind of strategies that you use in preschool for like teaching this type of vocabulary could then be applied to elementary school. So a book is a book, whether it's Charlotte's Web, Romeo and Juliet, or Apples, right? The strategy is the thing with the partnering with the teachers. Yeah, it's so important because you consider, I mean, our, my job as a speech pathologist is to help students be able to access the curriculum. And part of accessing the curriculum is teaching them to also be able to participate in classrooms. So not just what I do in pull-out services, but also to be able to then carry over. So if I pre-teach, say, Charlotte's Web, I can teach them information, vocabulary to look for within the book, to understand the book. I can start working on, like I've said book many times, the antonyms and synonyms, being able to compare and contrast. I mean, we know they go to a fair in the book, and what does a fair look like? Um, back when the story was written versus today. So being able exactly, to yeah. really compare and contrast and carry over to that real world, world knowledge um, outside of the classroom and make it functional. Yeah, that's you know outside the classroom to make it functional because you learn specific things in speech and language for outside of school, right? It's a different, some of the other skill sets only equate to academics. This equates to real life. So being able to learn specific lessons and then take it to the real world activities so that their speech becomes better and their language can become better. That's such a, so, so important to make those connections in the classroom that can go outside. That's what the goal a lot of classroom teachers try to make it more real world. Isn't that right? Is that, That's is that right? Yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah, you're spot on, Neil. I wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, I'm kind of interested now to move the conversation to maybe Devin's maybe top two or top three ways that she might support vocabulary with a classroom teacher in order to better prepare her students to access curriculum. Would you like to share some vocabulary? Yeah, absolutely. So I love to make flashcards with my kids and it can just be on a piece of paper where they are given the word, the vocabulary word, and then the definition. But the key part is having them draw what that definition means to them. So for example, I was working with a student on simple machines and we drew a lever. So she ended up drawing my office chair, which has a lever on it. And it makes my chair go up and down, back and forth all over. She was able to then take that knowledge and apply it to other areas where she has seen levers in action. Um, so she really had a lot of buy-in by being able to draw into show how she comprehended this vocabulary, these vocabulary words, essentially. And this is exactly what Neil was talking about, applying it to real life, right, Neil? You know, it's like, here's a perfect yes. example of a tabletop activity that Devin was doing instructionally with her students and then immediately finding in the room and then other concrete examples in real life of the application of that vocabulary word. And this is important in terms of partnering to help classroom teachers build that knowledge base. 
And what is so refreshing to me, Devin, is that you're not a two times a week for 30 minutes behind a closed door kind of speech pathologist. You truly are in the building, sharing your knowledge base and showing strategies. And of course you're providing specialized instruction. I know that that's a part of your job, but that's not the only part of your job because that's not what your philosophy is. Because as you said, your job is to help your students access curriculum, right? Correct. And a lot of that can be showing the paraprofessionals how I work with the students, pulling from the teachers and giving them hands-on tips. Um, and even letting the students present what they've learned so they can share their knowledge in the classroom. Yeah, that's extremely important. And, you know, my mind goes always to accessibility and to UDL strategies. And I love seeing the engagement of when students are illustrating, thumbnail sketching, drawing their own pictures for things. But we also know that some students have motor issues or fine motor issues, and maybe they don't have those kinds of skills to do that. What are some ways that you might have students who have mo fine motor challenges still do that type of activity, but maybe to uh, circumvent the motor issues? You know, I've gone as far as um, giving bigger pieces of paper to use um, and finding pictures online and printing them off, um, especially for some of my students who have visual issues, um, printing off bigger zoomed in versions. I have them describe and I drawn before um, for them. So there's a lot of ways to scaffold a student's ability to demonstrate their understanding and to really show to draw that picture and to participate. That's the biggest thing is you need buy-in if kids are going to retain this vocabulary. Exactly. Exactly. I'd love for you to share one more before I move on to a different question. Yeah. So something as simple as taking the vocabulary that they've learned and putting it into game format, whether it's bingo, whether it's matching games, and that really tests their both receptive language, their understanding, and then that expressive language. So can they see the vocabulary word and talk about the definition, maybe with the help of seeing the picture, be able to talk about the definition, or can they match um, both up? Or if they see the definition, can they tell me what the vocabulary word is? So just being able to look at that receptive and that expressive piece. Um, and games are so fun. I mean, which kid doesn't like to play games? Well, exactly. And also both of these strategies that you have shared, building interactive flashcards and language-based and vocabulary types of games easily transfer to a gen ed classroom or a specialized instruction with a special educator or guidance counselor. So I think that these are really nice examples. Now, my next question for you, and will probably be my final question, is what other areas do you support your students in class to partner with. I, I'm sure that there are many, but can you give one addition? Yeah. So I have gone through and worked. Um, so being able to teach the vocabulary, then we've gone through and pulled from the textbook. So our school teaches journeys. Um, so this is just an example of going to the language arts side. And I've pulled stories, the science stories from them, and photocopied the pages and cut out each paragraph that's in these stories and glued them onto pages. We, the kids and I highlighted 
We've looked over the words. We've made connections. Um, and just the kids were able to even draw pictures to show their comprehension of each paragraph. But we're really breaking the paragraph down to the sentence level, even to the word level. And that's what's most important is not just assuming that a student understands what these words mean, but really making sure they comprehend each word that's on that page. And I love that you are focusing on reading comprehension strategies. Um, creating literacy materials in bite-sized chunks is a wonderful way to accommodate. And it's nice to see that you as a speech language pathologist are also supporting informational text and literature as well. Well, it's so important to remember too that just racing through the curriculum or through the content doesn't equal retention. And yep. I'll repeat it. Racing through the content does not equal retention. And I, I fully understand oh, yeah. disclosure. I yeah. fully understand that there are staff have to get through a certain lesson or whatnot, but that's where I come in to be able to break that down and to really teach that comprehension for retention. It's so important. And Neil and I have talked about this all the time about not teaching to the test or just doing things for the sake of saying, okay, this is what our plan is and to get it done before either the bell rings or it's time for recess or regardless of the grade level is that less is more. Exactly. And yeah. Retention happens from meaningful and relevant instruction. And I think to leave it there, my closing question to you would be, what level of engagement do you see from teachers that you're sharing these strategies with and also from the kids? I have had a, a really, really good experience with quite a few of the teachers um, that I've worked with. I mean, I've had students be able to go up and teachers allow them to present their materials that they've done in class, get other students asking questions. I mean, even just getting the vocabulary words and updating on where we are in the books or whatnot. Um, you know, the teachers have been very willing to help work with me. Um, and the students, I mean, the best part is I've seen the retention and I've been teaching vocabulary for the time that I've been in the school systems, but teaching it this year has been just different because I've been able to take materials that we've learned or vocabulary we've learned from the start of the year. And I'm having students tell me about their drawings in the vocabulary at the end of the year. So the buy-ins there, the retention has shown um, that it's there too. Well, I so appreciate you joining us today. It's a true pleasure to have you on the podcast, Every Child Can Learn. And I would love for you to come back and for us to continue a dialogue, maybe in other ways that you support classroom teachers under different umbrellas, because I think that we have many things to talk about and we can all learn from. So I wanna thank you for being a guest today, Devin, and it was a true pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. So informative. Such great information for sure. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Neil. All right. Well, I appreciate it, uh, Phil. And you check out Phil by going where, Phil, for information on you. You can find out more information on the work related to 
uh, myself and the PACT teaching framework at aboutthepact.com. That's about, A-B-O-U-T, the, T-H-E, PACT, P-A-C-T, dot com. And I would welcome a contact at phil at aboutthepact.com to my email, or you could also connect with me on social media, on Facebook and Twitter and on LinkedIn. Well, we appreciate it, Phil. And thank you again, Devin. And uh, guys, take care. That was Every Child Can Learn.